0: Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Um, We're carrying on in our series, Create Space and Create Capacity. Uh, Claire started us off uh, in the beginning of January, it was, right in the very first week of January. She said, when you create structure... You're creating space for increased capacity, and then she went and showed us this picture. She mentioned all the floods that have taken place in Poynton and around the world, and when water is uncontrolled, it flows and it creates disaster, doesn't it? Washes away, washes away farmlands, homes, uh, and brings devastation. However, water's not the problem. It's the containment of the water that's the problem. If we can put water in structures like that—a dike or a canal or something—then we can actually control that water. We can move the water around to irrigate lands. We can send it off for drinking water for washing. Note for washing, and we can wash, and we can be clean, and we can—and it's useful stuff, isn't it? And it's great. It can bring life. And as I, as I was meditating on that, when we create structure. We're creating space for God. I am thinking about it, because somehow I can just imagine a grumpy person, oh no, we don't if you create structures, you don't always necessarily get God. This is a matter of faith. We're in a church situation, we're believing that we create structures for God. We're not creating structures just for nothing. We create we're believing that God's gonna fill this place. And when God fills the place, He comes into our lives, and what's happened? God is love. So love starts to fill my heart. Love starts to fill the structure that I'm giving to him. And we saw agape love is giving. Agape love is give, 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 give. And when you finish giving, you give some more. Giving agape love is not about me. It's always about somebody else. And we're going to look at that a little bit more in a couple of weeks' time. Andrew Gray gave us a great sermon. And he changed it slightly. He changed the word. He said, create margin. When we create margin or create structures in our lives, we're building in a bit of space. What's that for? To limit emotional energy loss. Limit physical energy loss. Loss of time, loss of finances. We're building in margin. This morning, I'm so excited to share something with you. The last of our series. And I want to bring it to a close. The principle of first. Are you prepared to create a structure for God first? You all know the scripture by the anointing of the Holy Spirit that I'm going to turn to. So turn there. Matthew 6, verse 33. You know it very well, don't you? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Can I break this down to, to its three components, the three separate parts? Firstly, it says, Seek ye first. First. First is what? A sequence, isn't it? First implies is a second. And a third. Fourth, fifth, eight, nine, and tenth. First applies that when you're running in the Olympics, you, you're the winner. You came first. And somebody is the loser. They came 10th. It kind of implies it, doesn't it? So it's a numerical sequence. Listen, if only one person turned up for the race, they couldn't have been first because there was no second. First implies a sequence of events that takes place. But first also implies most important. First also implies that's the highest priority that you have before I do anything else, I first want to do this, because that's like in the morning when I first wake up, the first thing I want to do, and you, you'll do whatever's highest priority in your life. And I love the way that the Amplified Bible puts this verse. It sums it up just perfectly. Watch this. It says in Matthew 6, 33 in the Amplified, it says, seek first of all, aim at and strive after. That's what's so important. Are we striving after things? What's this principle? Are we seeking after it? It's got to be principle, number one, first thing in our minds when we do our Christian walk with God. And then it goes on to say the second thing. It says, first of all, seek what? Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, the kingdom of God is not heaven, but it includes heaven. The kingdom of God is not the millennium, but it includes the millennium. The kingdom of God started with Jesus when he came to earth. Because Jesus is the king of the kingdom. So it's his rule, it's his culture, the culture of heaven that he brings to it. When we get born again, we can now be participants in the culture of heaven. Doesn't the Bible say in Matthew Matthew 6, uh, 10, I think it is, when Jesus is teaching them to pray, he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Bring the culture of heaven to earth. Are we seeking after the culture of heaven on earth? Firstly. Are we seeking after Jesus being king? Firstly. Again, listen to the Amplified, the way it puts it. Seek ye first of all, aim at and strive after His kingdom and His righteousness, His way of doing things and being right. Oh, isn't that amazing? That's exactly what kingdom is. Doing things God's way. Full stop. Whatever God says, hey, I accept it. I'll do it that way. Because he's the king of this kingdom. That's the way God is. I want to seek after that firstly. And when I do all that, then the third thing comes in. Then all these things will be added to you. Oh, humanity, so many times we want the last part, don't we? We want all the stuff, but I don't want to seek first. I want God to be just on my list of priorities, somewhere in the top ten. God is saying, no, I want to be first. Can I give you the principle? Here's the principle that I saw in Scripture. Bring to God first, trusting Him to bless the rest. When we get our principles right and we say, God, you're number one in my life, then He says, I'll order and I'll structure the rest on your behalf. Let me dive into this a little bit and have a look at this. Leviticus 27 verse 30 says, The first belongs to the Lord. Who owns the first? The Lord. What does it imply if you take the first? You're taking something that doesn't belong to you. Uh, There's a common word we use. It's called... Still, I didn't say that, by the way. Robert Morris did. No, I blame him. Robert Morris, he's the one who did that. The first belongs to God. The first priority, the highest priority belongs to God. The first thing that you do should belong to God. When that's Old Testament. Could I have something in the New Testament? Well, sure. Of course you can, my sweetheart. Romans eleven sixteen. If the first part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then everything else is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. First. When the first thing is holy. What is holy? Sanctified. Well, do you know what sanctified means? Separated. Now listen, I've got to just tell you. I, I know all about this. I'm really an expert in sanctification. Because you see, when I eat my food, I use a knife and a fork. I have a fork. I use my fork. Claire, though, she has another fork. She keeps it in the shed. It's about the size of a man's hand. And it's got a like, little wooden handle on the end of it. And she goes into the garden and she turns over the grass and the, the, the earth and the earthworms and all the all the whatever's in the beds. And she turns them over with her fork. It's, a, it's about, what's that, a foot long? Uh, what's that in about 30 centimeters long, and it's a fork. That fork is sanctified. It's holy. It's set apart for gardening. I would never dream of taking that fork to use and eat my food. It's sanctified. It's holy, and it belongs to Claire, and I know my place. I will not touch that which is Claire's. I do not go into the garden. That is sanctified, set apart for Claire. Somebody say Amen. The first belongs to God. Are you prepared to bring the first to God? Trust Him to bless the rest. I want to go back all the way to the very, very beginning. Genesis, when God first created the earth, created the heavens, created the land and the oceans, the birds, the fish, the animals. When He had got the whole environment just spot on, In five days, what did he do? On the sixth day, he created mankind. And God brings Adam and Eve into the garden, into this perfect world that he created just for them. And you know what God did after that? He rested. He rested. Just think about that. He rested. Hang on a minute. He rested. Claire taught us that the Jewish day starts at about six o'clock in the evening. That's the day that God created mankind. That evening at 6 o'clock starts the seventh day. Listen to this. God's first... Adam hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't named the animals yet. He hasn't even kissed Eve. He's just been created. And God says, stop everything you're doing. I'm declaring a day of rest because I want to be with you. What? What? Surely, Adam should have done some work first. No, start off with a little bit of rest. And God called that first day holy. God blessed them, it says in Genesis 2, 3. On the seventh day, He sanctified it. God sanctified it. He declared it holy because He rested. Oh, isn't it the first of a time even God obeys this principle? The first thing God says, I, I want to spend time with you guys. The Bible goes on. I'll give you a whole lot of references. In Acts 20 verse 7, the disciples, they went and broke bread on the first day of the week. They gave God first. Paul, the apostle, says to us, when you come together on the first day, collect your offerings, and then I'll come and get them on the first day. Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day. Jesus is the first amongst many brethren. Revelations 14. Jesus is coming back in the rapture to fetch the first barley harvest rapture people. The first. Are you ready? You need to go listen to that teaching on end times. This one is the one that shocked me though. Jesus himself writes to the churches in Revelations 2. Verse 4. And he says, I have this against you. You have lost your first love. And on, wait wait, wait, wait. They had love. They had love number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. They had it. But they had lost that, that oomph, that passion, that first love. You see, God was now just part of the routine, but he wasn't first in priority, first in priority. Oh, Wayne, I know what you're trying to do. you trying to get us to wake up at 5 o'clock and have a quiet time like you at 5 and suffer like you. No, I'm not. Actually, if you want to be biblical, have it at 6 o'clock, because that's the beginning of the day. <laughs> you know, I, I spoke to one of the guys here in the church. I won't mention any names. He's got a great tattoo. He kind of goes, like us, and he's really cool and hip and hop. I won't mention any names. You know him well. And his best time of the day is between 12 and 1 and 2 in the morning. Could you give that to God and say, I'm putting you first? I'm not coming to God when I'm tired at the end of the dregs of the day when I can't perform. I want to give God my best. I want to give God something that is really precious to me, my best time I'm going to give to God. I'm not trying to get you to wake up at five. I'm saying, spend the best time of your day with Him. God spent the best time of His day with you. I was so blown away when I started to see this. When we give God the best, the first, God says, I'll order the rest. And I'll start to bless the rest. You give God the first day of the week, and then God says, I will bless the rest of your week. Do we wake up in the mornings? It's a great day out there. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go take the kids. I know you're under pressure. I know you're tired. I know you're stressed out. God is saying, I know because you're tired, because you're stressed out, because of all of that, I want you to give it to me first so I can bless the rest. Could it be in society that we're battling with depression and anxiety like never before because we're taking away the first from God and we're living for ourselves? And do we need to have a culture of heaven on earth and says, I'm going back to original principles. I'm putting God first. Highest priority. Number one in my life. Oh, but Wayne, I've got elderly parents. I have to go. I, I know I'm not getting on your case. But when you get in the car and you're driving down to wherever you're driving, do you put on the radio or are you putting on some God? Listen to a podcast. Say, God, I want to be with you. I'm going to put on some worship. I'm going to spend time with you. I've got this pressure. I have to do this. But, Lord, I want to be with you. It's all about the attitude of first. Not the timing of it. Is God number one in your life? I want to read this scripture to you. In Exodus 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, Dedicate to me every firstborn amongst the Israelites. The first offspring to be born, both of human and of animals. They belong to me. Wait, 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 wait. Can I just back up a little bit and give you some perspective to this? Can I go back, oh, maybe one, two, three, forty, hundred, four hundred 40, 100, 400 years, maybe a little longer. These are gentlemen by the name of jo- Joseph. A young boy, 16 years old of age, and his brother throw him into a pit. He's then sold into slavery, and he goes into Potter's house, and he serves Potter. But then he lands up in jail, do you remember? And then he goes from jail to the Pharaoh's courts, and he becomes prime minister of the land. But then a famine hits the land, and those ugly brothers Come to the land because they're hungry, and Joseph is able to feed them, and they make restoration in the relationships, and they live in a place called Goshen in Egypt with Joseph, happily ever after, until Pharaoh dies, and a new Pharaoh comes along that doesn't know Joseph or the brothers, and he's but threatened, so he enslaves them. These were just twelve brothers, but their families were growing, and so they get enslaved in Egypt. For 400 years. And while they've been enslaved, they grow and multiply. They're now about a million to three million strong, somewhere in that range. And God sends Moses to set them free. And Moses listens to God, does what God says, and takes them out of Egypt into the promised land. And the first thing that God says is this. This is the command that God... This isn't at Mount Sinai. Don't tell me this is the law. This is before the law even happened. God says, dedicate every first to me in fact in Exodus chapter 12 it actually God says I don't care what month of the year it is I don't care I don't care what day as from now this is the first month of the year it's the first why? because I brought you out isn't that amazing my goodness bring them out listen to this Moses tells the people bring the firstborns they belong to him a firstborn donkey may be brought back or redeemed by the Lord by presenting a lamb in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. Let me just explain this. Lambs are considered in the Bible good, holy, precious, acceptable to God, especially the ones without blemish. The perfect one, the little floppy ears and the ones that look so cute. Those are the ones. They're good. But a donkey, we all know, has a bit of a stubborn uh, kind of attitude, doesn't it? And so a donkey represents what's evil. So when a firstborn donkey comes along, you break its neck as an offering to go and say, yep, and you just break its neck with a bad donkey. I know it's a bit gross, <laughs> but that's how, the, that's how the cookie crumbles in the Old Testament. <coughs> So when you, as a farmer, you thought to yourself, do you know what, I could actually use this donkey to to plow the land or something. So I'm going to buy it back. So I will sacrifice a lamb in its place so I can use the donkey. But a lamb has to die. But I've got news for you. You're a stubborn old donkey. Because we were born under Adam and Eve, under sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You and I are destined to die. But hang on, I remember something. I remember that God had a son. He had a firstborn son. And the firstborn son, which was the Lamb of God, was destined to die. And so God redeemed you. He redeemed me. He redeemed even Claire. He redeemed us by sacrificing himself on the cross so that I could have a relationship with God. Even God obeys the law, the principle of the first. Wow. When we give the first in the first month, it is setting us up to be blessed. Joshua and the boys, they go through the wilderness, they get to the Jordan River, and they cross over the Jordan River and they get to, now they want to, God says, take out these giants, take out the cities, come on, you can do it, and he's encouraging them to take it out, and God sees Jericho, and says, now I want you to circle around there, go around there seven times, and the walls will come tumbling down, but God gives this instruction to Joshua, he says, all the silver, all the gold vessels, the bronze, the iron, they are consecrated to me, they're holy." They're sanctified to me. They have to come into the treasury of the house. It was a principle in those days that when you went to battle, if you won, you got the loot, the people could keep it. You'd spoil the loot amongst each other. God says, uh-uh, this is the first city as a nation I want it. You bring it to me. So they did so. They go to the next city, and they, a little town with just wooden fences around, little picket fences, and they whip the Israelites' backsides. And they got a hiding. And they went to God and said, God, how is this possible? How come AI beats us? We won at Jericho, but now AI, we are defeated. And God says, somebody stole what was mine. A gentleman by the name of Acorn. Okay, his name's Achan. But I remember it as Acorn. <laughs> Achan had hid in his tent some of the gold and the silver that belonged to the Lord. Mo, uh, Joshua started looking around and finally they found him. And when they found him, they had to put him and his family and everything he owned to death. It is sanctified to the Lord. The principle of first belongs to God. You say, oh, why is this so heavy? No, it's not heavy. It's amazing. You see, when we give God first, everything else comes into order. When we go and operate in the principle of first, God takes us to the next level. Victory after victory after victory after victory. God himself promises to increase us and bless us when we're operating in the principle of first. The only problem with the principle of first, it takes faith. You see, when I give the first, there's no guarantee there's a second, third, fourth or yet, because it's the first. So I could say, Lord, you know, my goodness, my time is so precious. Have you seen my diary, Lord, this week? I really need to start work now. <laughs> could, could I chat with you next week? And God says, no, I want to talk to you first. But Lord, no, I, I've got this meeting, I've got this happening, I've got this, I've got to start now. So you dive in and God says, okay, okay. And I tell you what, you're going to slog it out. But the principle of first says, by faith, you say, Lord, I've got all this to do, but you know what, I'm going to give you the first of my time. And God says, I'm going to arrange the rest for you. You're going to have such an ease. Everything's going to slot into place like never before principle of first oh i tell you rachel hickson was at one of the conferences talking to me about this to the whole congregation but it spoke to me and she said are you prepared to stop doing what you're doing stopping takes faith because i think i've got to do i've got to do i've got to do in today's society we're going to do 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 and god is saying i want you to be with me be with me be with me but lord you don't know my diary There's no guarantee of two, three, four. But with God, he'll take care of the rest. Will you trust God and bring your first, trusting him to arrange and bless the rest? Now we're talking of finances. Nehemiah 12, 44 verse kind of sums up some of these finance, different uh, things that I want to discuss. Principle of first. And at the same time, some were pointed over the rooms of the storehouse. For the offerings, the first fruits, and the tithes. We see in Scripture three broad categories of giving, finances. Like Jericho, they were to bring all the silver and the gold. But we don't have Jericho. We don't have silver and gold. i got plastic money and, and copper, brass, coins or something like that. The tithe is the first 10% of what comes into your, your hands. It belongs to the lord you bring it to god or you steal it from god the first fruits is when we give over and above and say lord i want to say thank you for bringing me out of the land of egypt into the promised land thank you for what you've done and i'm looking forward to all the blessings and the organizing that you have for me in my life thank you so much and then we have the offerings and that's when we give to the poor for example or to missions and different areas in the ministry and, and the kingdom of God, the Lord says, Whoever lends or gives to the poor is lending to God and he will repay. And this church has been such a blessing over the last year, supporting Nepal and different ministries uh, and different uh, projects. Do not be deceived or mocked, Galatians says. God will not be mocked, you will reap a harvest. Wayne, it sounds like you're trying to get our money. Far from it. Exact opposite, actually. The exact opposite. I want to show you a verse that shocked me. Paul, the apostle in Philippians 4.17 says, I'm not seeking the gift. I'm not after your money. I'm after the fruit that accounts to the gift that you bring. PCF does not need your money. I need you to get a blessing. This principle that I'm trying to show you is not so that I can dangle you over hell itself and try and manipulate you to get something. I'm not trying to manipulate you. That's why even I announced it last week and told you it was coming. No surprises. I'm not tricking you into anything. The Bible tells us not to coerce or or manipulate people to give. And I'm not trying to get your money. I'm trying to get a blessing to you. That's why I'm speaking about your time and your finances and everything. Are you putting God first? When you put God first, the second part comes into play. And then I can pray over you and say, My God, El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, the provider, Most High God, El Elyon, My God shall supply all your needs. He will supply all your employment. He will take care of you. You're going in and you're coming out. Going into the field, coming out of the field. He'll look after your bank accounts, your savings accounts. He will look after it. Because you're applying the principle of first. I'm trying to release something. The principle of first is to release something over you. Psalms 115 says, May the Lord increase you more and more, you and your children. How many of you would like you and your children blessed? Are you prepared to apply the principle of first? I just want to talk about tithing for a second. These are law, another law that you may have heard about. Have any of you ever heard of the law of first mention in the Bible? Psst, it's the law of first. It's exactly what I'm saying, the law of first. Can we go all the way back to Genesis? Here's Abraham, just being in a battle, one got the loot, and he meets Melchizedek before the law comes into existence. This is Genesis 14, verse 18. This is 486, according to my calculation, years 486 years before the law comes into existence. This is the year 2091 BC. And here, Abraham gives a tithe to Melchizedek, and Melchizedek exchanges and gives him a blessing. When I put into principle the tithing, the first tithe, I receive a blessing. And that previous verse says, My kids too. You're bringing on a generational blessing. I've seen, I've witnessed this in my own kids. They've left home, but I watched the blessing of the Lord, and I said, God, it's not fair. They're getting blessed more than me. And he says, it's because of you that they are getting blessed. That's right. Grandparents, it's your kids, kids, kids that can be blessed. Or are you leaving a legacy bus using the principle of first? Malachi 3.10 says, bring the tithe. It doesn't say give the tithe. It says bring it. Why? It belongs to God. Will you bring it into the house of the Lord? Oh when did Jesus teach on tithing? Actually, he did. Now I see all the theologians look up. Show me where. Oh, well, Mark 12.41. Jesus sat opposite the treasury watching them putting their tithes and their gifts into the, in the basket. And then he saw a widow woman, and she came and gave all she had, apparently, two peas worth, pennies worth of gift, and he put it in there. And Jesus comes up with the most amazing sermon. He says, widow woman, come to me, All you are tired and broke. That's the law, honey. You don't need to do that anymore. We are the grace. I'm here. He doesn't say that, does he? He turns to his disciples and says, she's given the most. With all the other guys giving, he never rebuked him. Never. Jesus never said, stop doing that. That's covenant. old covenant. is new. That's me. No, he didn't. In fact, in Matthew 23, 23, he gets hold of the religious folk. And he says, you tithe, but you've forgotten the more important weighty things of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. I want to tell you today, I don't want your money if you're not going to mix it with some faith. And he doesn't say stop tithing. He says continue to tithe, but add to it mercy, justice, and faith. That's right. you know, he never stopped it. Even the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter, what's it, 7 or something like that, it, it actually talks about Mekizek and Abraham and the priest receiving the tithe. It's a new principle, a New Testament principle as well. Tithing. Let me get really practical. I have in my pocket my salary. Here is 200 pounds. I'm joking. Let's say I've got 200 pounds a week. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I've got 10, 20 pound notes. That is 200 pounds. This is how some people tithe. Well, sweetheart, first of all, I've got to pay the mortgage. Petrol money, I've got to have something for petrol. There we go. The kids need new clothes the kids clothes PCF golf society very important (laughs) the cruise the cruise is coming up there we go the cruise money sweetheart this is what we got left now we need to tie 10% of 20 have you got a couple of coins for me we could put in the offering box have you got a couple of grey coins you know the, the brown ones because that's all that's left could I suggest to you that is not the principle of first that's the principle of last and then you say, Lord, heal my family. Lord, would you bless me? Why are they repossessing my car and my house? Why is things turning out? Because you haven't even deployed the principle of first. Can I show you how, you, how God would like us to tithe? little hard, it requires faith. Sweetheart, we've been paid. Here's God's money, the tithe. Here, I'm taking it straight off the top. And I'm putting it in here. There we go. I've tired. Now I've got to live off the rest. Now my heart's racing because so I'm not sure there's going to be enough. But I'm prepared to trust the Lord. I've given my first. I'm trusting Him to bless the rest. In December this year, last year, it happened to me. I want to tell you, not, not I'm not bragging, but I saw the blessing of the Lord in my life. My car had an MOT and failed. It needed four new tyres, four sets of disc brakes, and it's major, what's it, 50,000 service or something. And the guy phoned me and said, we can do all this work. It's going to cost you just over a 1,000 pounds. New tires, oh. new disc brakes, service, the works. So I went to pick up my car and I took the credit card because this wasn't enough. And I got into the car dealership Guy, really nice guy, and says, wow. He says, how much did I how much did I quote you for the tyres so I told him and says do you know what I can give you a 20% discount on that so I said oh thank you and he knocked 20% off all the tyres and he said the discs hang on a minute and he checked on his computer and says I can give you those discs half the price Come on. the manager walks past oh, oh, right old grumpy looking character tall grumpy and he's walking past he says hey Bob hey Bob and he grabs me and says listen can we do this guy deal on the service he said, sure thing. He goes to the computer, just tapped in his code there, and then they knocked off 100 quid off my service. Come on. I saved just in one visit to the motor mechanic at least three, 400 pounds because the rest was blessed. Come on. Oh, my phone packed up the same month. Can you believe it? The mobile phone, you can't believe what's happening when I start giving my money to everyone. The phone goes, it's two years old, got a new contract. I go to see the guy. Some, some shop, like a phone car thing. But, you know, there are other shops as well. I go inside there, and I'm, I meet the guy, lovely guy. And like this. he says, what are you on? So I told him the contract and the, the, how much I pay. He says, what? He says, you could have this new phone. You show them your phone. It's an amazing phone. It's like one of the top-end phones. I said, I can't afford top-end. He, he halved the amount that I was currently paying. Halved it. Halved it. And gave me unlimited phone calls, unlimited texts. That's why I text you so much now. It doesn't cost anything. <laughs> the blessing of the Lord. Wait, it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. This is shouting material. I thought he was just taking a fancy to my wife. He says to us, he says, you can't walk out here without a phone cover for your phone. He goes to the shelf and he takes off a 15-pound thingy that you put on the back and put on the front. You know the things to stop against scratch and damage. He says, you've got two phones, and he pops these into the bag. On me, he says, and he says to Claire, hey, sweetheart, watch your mouth, young man. (laughs) He says, did you know that that phone can take a micro SD card? Claire said, what? (laughs) He goes to the shelf, and he takes a brand spanking new micro SD card and pops in the bank. Here, have that on me too. I want to tell you something. When you give God the first, he blesses the rest. It's a matter of faith. Are you prepared to trust him? I want to go back to Genesis again. I want to talk about first fruits just quickly as we finish off. Do you remember Adam and Eve? They had two boys, Cain and Abel. And it says there that Abel brought the first lamb, first born lamb as a sacrifice. And God was pleased and liked it. And he said, thank you. I receive it. But then Cain brought to the Lord his offering. And he brought salad and and veggies and things. Now, I know where you're going with this. That's not right. Stop thinking what you're thinking, okay? God is not... Now Don't even go there, you horrible people. No. (laughs) Look at this. Can I show you why why God didn't accept Cain's offering? Look at this. Look at this. It says, And in the process of time, it came to pass. Isn't it like a double length? In the process of time... It came to pass. You get the hint that Cain didn't bring the first offering. In the process of time, maybe some of his fruit salad had gone a little bit off. Maybe his barley was looking a little sad. Are you prepared to trust God with the first? You see, the Bible says, again, in Proverbs, it says this, Honor the Lord with all your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Are you prepared to trust the Lord and allow Him to bless you? Here I've got my salary. I've now tithed. It's not the dollar amount now. This isn't what's important. Is it 1%, 5%, 10%, 50%, 100%? I don't know. Can I tell you what the Bible says? Would you like to know what the Bible says? 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 12 tells us when you bring your gift to God, it is accepted according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. Now let me explain that. That is actually Paul is using accounting terms. All accountants will know exactly credits and debits. That's what the actual Greek words mean. Counts of credits and debits. You see, when you look at your debit, you could actually say, I need a new car, I need a new fridge. I need new. And you know, Lord, I'm really battling. I need this and I need this. This is the kind of stuff I need to have that in the future. So I will give according to what I need. That's all I can spare. Do you know what the Paul says you should do? Look at your assets. Lord, I want to say thank you for my house. I want to say thank you I've got a car. I want to say thank you that I've got a, a job and I can work and, and I'm still breathing. I want to thank you that you brought me out of Egypt into the promised land. I want to thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. I've got so much. I want to thank you for Jesus. I want to give you all. That's my first and that's my best. Thank you, Lord. I'm not saying you have to give it all. I'm saying you ask God what to give. There is no monetary amount or figure that I can tell you. But it comes from a grateful heart. It comes from a God looking back and saying, Lord, I'm so thankful for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to bless and you're going to give me in the future. Oh, thank you to the Lord. I love what Pastor Andrew said a couple of years ago. I don't know if he said it or wrote this or what. But it came out of his mouth. He said, It's not about insurance for what may come. It's about assurance for what is coming your way. I I like what your words there. I think that's really, really good. The first fruits isn't limited to today. Guys, come stand up on the stage here. For those who are listening via podcast, those who have been away on holiday or camps and you want to participate, It's a principle of first. It's not about a day. Claire started the series a month ago, and she said these words, Have you found yourself flooded by the battles of life? Your health is not what it should be. Your children and grandchildren are in a tough place. You're not where they want them to be. Do you find yourself coming up for air just to see a wake of destruction? Is the landscape of your life looking like floods have passed you over, toxic waste, Are you dry? Are you looking worn out? Feeling down, depressed? Not sure how to tackle 2020. After all, it's not like you haven't been fighting in 2019. You've given all you got. But it doesn't seem to be enough. King Jehoshaphat was in the same boat. They were in a drought. There was no water. They had been fighting and they were thirsty. And they were about to die if they didn't get water. And they asked the prophet Elijah what to do. And he said to them these words dig ditches all over the valley. And what will happen? You won't hear the wind, you won't see the rain, but this valley is going to fill up with water, and then you'll be able to defeat Moab. So they did exactly that. And they woke up in the morning, and absolutely nothing had happened. And you know what? They then gave an offering off first. They took their, their grain offering, their food, the only food they had left, and they brought it to the Lord, and they said, Lord, we want to serve you, we want to bless you. And then they woke up the next day to find the valley flooded with water. God heard them. There's something about an offering that releases God. David said, how can I offer the Lord something that cost me nothing? Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings, a thousand burnt offerings. because He said, Lord, I want, to, I want your presence in my life. That's what you've been doing today. These baskets here, these beautiful bowls, plates, whatever they are, contains your gift offering. And I want to pray over them. I want you to stretch out your hand in faith. Because I believe there have been some faith offerings in here. Put your hands on it, guys, and we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for sending Jesus as the lamb that bought and redeemed my life. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the king of the kingdom and that I can operate in your culture and put you first. Lord, thank you that all of us have been able to bring you our tithes and we've been able to bring you our first fruit offering. And Lord, we want to say thank you. We have not brought this grudgingly. We have not been coerced. There's been no pressure applied. So Lord, we thank you that you receive this offering as our first fruits offering. Now, Lord, we're asking you by faith, would you order the rest? As we give you first, would you bless the rest? As we give you the first of our time, would you bless the rest of our time? As we've given you the first of our finances, would you give and bless the rest of our finances? As we've given the first fruits of all our assets, Lord, I pray that you would bless our assets. And so I release, as the priest of Almighty God, a blessing on the people in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ our Lord. According to what Paul said in 3 John 2, may you be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. 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 Amen.